Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining in worship. Thank you guys for leading us. We appreciate all you guys' service to the Lord. So um, uh, we did have some technical difficulties at the beginning of our service, so if you're still online with us, thank you for sticking it out. We're doing good now. That's why we had a little bit of a late start, so um, if we're a little bit late getting out today, it's the tech team's fault, it's not the pastor's fault. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're all clear on that, okay? They're right back there in that little area, so just blame them. Make sure you go by and tell them thank you on your way out. So, um, yeah, seriously, it's, it's good to be in God's house. It's so great to be with you. I love worship the Lord. Christmas is such a, a fantastic time of year as we celebrate the fact that God loved us so much that he would come and be one of us to be able to make a way for us. So this third Sunday of Advent is this, the day of joy. So as we begin with the topic of joy today and next week's love, just so you know what's coming, um, we need to get an understanding of the true meaning of, of what joy is because oftentimes when we translate languages uh, into other languages, you know, we're trying to find words. And so in the scriptures, the uh, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in predominantly Greek, but also Aramaic. And so in the original uh, translations, as they bring it into other languages, they have to try and make it work for us. And so a lot of times in our English world, we kind of put happy and joy together as the same thing. It's a little bit different. Though there is happiness and joy, and there is joy and happiness, it's actually something a little bit different. And when you look at it biblically, it's something that we, especially as believers, not just because it's Christmas, but all year long, need to grab a hold of and understand what God has asked us to do as believers. See, joy is present even in difficult times. Yep. Happiness isn't always present in difficult times, but joy is always present. And so when we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, one of the things that you will notice here is a statement that is given. Always be joyful. Didn't say sometimes, or when it works, it's always. And this is written to the Christian. Never stop praying. That's the next verse. So always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I think that's a pretty important statement for us to understand as Christians. That God's will for us is that we would be joyful in all things. That we would always be praying and coming to Him. And that we would always be thankful. Not just Thanksgiving. Not just during the Advent. But this is a call to the believer about your everyday life. See, God's word is not teaching us to be fake happy. All right? I don't like fake happy. You don't like fake happy. And you know, I don't want a plastic smile in a Sunday circumstance. God is talking to us about a joyfulness that is in the heart of the believer that is something that is real. God's will is for the believers to be joyful. All right? So obviously, we can't always be happy in the sense of feeling that emotion. So what is it that God is telling us that His will for our life is, is that when we are joyful, so it is a decision we make. Church, we can be joyful or not, and we make that decision every day with every situation that we face in life, with every challenge that we meet, we make the decision whether we will be joyful or complaining. I've often heard people quote this scripture in James, and as they do, they roll their eyes. 
All right, but it's a biblical passage, right? So here's what it says. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Right? That's God's word. And so the reason that we roll our eyes when we read that, it's like, you know, we're going through a challenge of frustration. And it's like someone says, well, you're supposed to be joyful. And we're like, yeah, because we don't feel happy. We feel the, the consequences of whatever challenge we're facing. But see what God's word says to us right there. It says when those troubles come, not if, they're coming. Anyway, anything, consider it an opportunity for great joy. All right, so now when we consider it an opportunity, there's a reason why God's word tells us to be joyful and to consider the challenges of life an opportunity for that joy to be seen. So I'm going to ask you something. Do you currently see the challenge you are now facing as an opportunity for great joy? Yep. Well, I'm proud of those three of you that are. And (laughs) I mean, we got to look at this because this is what God's word says to us as believers. So no responses on this one, okay? Make another statement of that. Don't respond to this. Just sit there and listen for a second. So we should consider COVID an opportunity for great joy. We should consider health issues as opportunities of great joy. We consider, we should consider whatever comes out of this election madness an opportunity for great joy. We should consider an opportunity for great joy no matter who ends up in the White House. Come on, man. We should consider it joy that your family is either coming or not coming for Christmas. <laughs> All right, I said don't respond, right? <laughs> All right. So now as we consider those things, see whatever your stress challenges in your life. All right, let's be real. Let's say you went out to your vehicle this morning and turned the key and it was dead. The first thing that comes to your mind is like, woohoo, I've got another opportunity. It's really not the first thing that comes to your mind, right? So what is it that's going on? We're processing things and we're seeing things. And right now we're frustrated because what we're trying to do is get something to work. The tech team was having problems with our our broadcast at the beginning and things weren't functioning well. So what happens is all of a sudden they're stressed out trying to get it taken care of. Just want you all to know, James, that was an opportunity for great joy. All right. So the reason why we are given those opportunities is told to us in the verses that we read already together, right? This is what he tells us. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. So God doesn't cause your tire to go flat. Doesn't cause the battery to die. God doesn't cause the internet not to work or the things that we're trying to accomplish not to happen. Okay, things in life, the reason why this world is dysfunctional and broken is because of sin, and that's not from God, that's from us. And Jesus is the remedy for sin, right? Okay, so the real reality is that you and I will continue to exist in a broken, messed up, dysfunctional world as long as we live on planet Earth. Therefore, we will always face circumstances and challenges to our life. Always. 
Okay, so when God's word says always be joyful, he's saying you need to be something different in the world than the world. It's really easy to be like the world because that's the way we grew up. I'm talking about before Jesus. We were mentored by sin, nurtured by sin. We were discipled by sin. Therefore, our life was revolving around me, my needs, my brokenness, my issues. So when we come to Christ and he removes that and he heals that brokenness, I begin this journey where God is remaking me, not a disciple of sin, but rather a disciple of Christ. Therefore, God is giving me a complete makeover from the inside out. And so as God works with me and he changes me and he's working to transform me, He says to me, Dave, be joyful. Something's different about you than the world. Dave, those things that used to own you no longer own you. The facing of the issues that used to overwhelm you. People that used to overwhelm you. I mean, all people used to overwhelm me. Hide inside myself. That doesn't happen anymore, Dave. That's not who I made you. See, I had become an introvert in my sin because of my brokenness and my feeling of not fitting in anywhere and all my other issues that I chose to believe the lies of the enemy. And therefore, I could walk into a room and be invisible in my mind. I could do that. As far as I knew, you didn't know I existed. It's crazy, isn't it? How we can believe the lies and get so much inside of ourselves. So that when someone would say something to me, everything inside me would turn over because they saw me. They know I exist. Now I've got to do something and I would be like stuck, like not even to speak. (laughs) Feeling overwhelmed by anxieties. That's who I was. (laughs) This is what God says. That's not you, Dave. Sin made you that way. Your decisions made you that way. The life you chose to live made you that way. I knew I wasn't made that way. I knew it while I was living it. And I would come out of that by using artificial substances to break those barriers and allow me to be more extroverted because I wasn't myself. Now God comes in and says, here, this is who I made you to be. You're not an extrovert you're not an introvert you're just a vert whatever that is (laughs) just be who i made you don't worry about any of that stuff walk with me man be joyful be joyful while i look around i'm like oh god you know this is what god's word says to us church this is the meaning of that word in every single verse in the New Testament that uses the word joy in our English language, there is a Greek word that is used there. And it's a little bit different than the way we understand joy in the English language, so it's important for us to understand it, okay? That word means, get this, calm delight, gladness. Calm delight. That is the meaning in the Greek word. So when we read in that God's saying, always be in calm delight, like peace. Just relax. God's got it. 
See, so we're not talking about a caffeine hype happiness, you know, where people need to stop in and get their coffee before they're actually joyful, you know? (laughs) All right, you can be happy before you get your coffee. It'd be a good practice for you to do that, too. I just, I see you guys in line with me, and you're not very nice. (laughs) Okay, calm delight. Like, okay, so here we are as we listen to this. See, there's supposed to be in the heart of a believer a calm peace that is intertwined within me with hope, peace, which exists, bringing forth joy. That's why, see, the church fathers put these themes on the four Sundays of Advent because on the fourth Sunday when love broke forth on the planet, there was a message behind it. See, God came to bring us hope, peace, joy, and to experience the fullness of love. So it's not just that these things are some church tradition name. The reason why they exist in the context of which they do is because these words have so much meaning in the heart of a believer and in the life of a believer See, the world doesn't have hope. They're putting their hope in stuff that will always fail them. Y'all know that. You used to be there. We would hope for this and it didn't work. We'd hope for that and it didn't work. None of it works. Only Jesus. Therefore, when we put our hope in Him, we actually not only have hope, but it brings us peace, which gives birth to joy. That's God's work. See, because we've experienced love for the first time, we didn't know what love was until Jesus came. But we'll wait till next week to do that, okay? All those things come together in this amazing spiritual marriage of the soul. It's God's work. Okay, so the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, I pray that God, check this out, it's such a great verse. This, is the, this should be a Christmas verse. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Not done. Check this out. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, man. He's like, it's it's all there. God has given us the complete package in life. Everything we should be experiencing calm delight in the midst of confusion and nuttiness. That's God. See, the transformation of the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit is a complete makeover. God is still working you over and changing you. You have not arrived, trust me. I have not arrived. God is giving us a makeover, He's transforming us and making us new. All right, so if you let him, he is. You don't have to hope. He's doing it. God's doing it. See, this is the work that makes you and I a light in the world. This is what makes us a light. And Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Church, please, we need to understand this more than ever. We are God's plan to redeem lost people. We're it. Jesus did the work. But we are the missionaries. We are the ministers. We are God's gospel written in the flesh. People don't know the word of God. They don't care what the Bible says. 
You need to manifest the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and be joyful, calmly delight in God in the midst of all circumstances. And in this situation of your life, you will stand out in the crowd. That's what makes you a light. Not your personality. Not your caffeine happiness. It's Jesus. Church, it's the Holy Spirit in you. That's what makes us the light of the world. It's God's Word. Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. If you serve Christ with this, what is that attitude that he just said to us? Ah, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, not fake human stuff, but the stuff that God produces within us through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about our attitude. So if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. So that means if you don't serve Christ with that attitude, you're not pleasing God, right? Seriously. Okay, so he's telling us to check our attitude. See, our attitude is something we control. You're supposed to. See, that's why the fruit of the Spirit talks about self-control. The Word of God speaks to us about our attitude all the time. So in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I.e., don't park out there and frustrate people. Who cares? (laughs) Park in the parking lot. Move your vehicle. If someone's wearing a mask, put your mask up. Right? This is God's word, friends. Look, he says, don't just look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Oh, there's the conviction right there. It just fell. <laughs> the attitude of Christ. You're supposed to have the attitude of Christ. Do you see why we were yet sinners? Christ died for us. God's word declares that to us. That he loved us. Dale was leading the song right over here. We were all singing together and it says, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. I was in opposition to God and yet he still came after me? Yes, he did. And see, this is the attitude of Christ. That's the attitude that you and I are supposed to manifest and have in us. Though he was God, let me reread that a little bit for you just so we know where we're going. Don't look out only only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Man, I'm like, I read that and I'm like, oh God, forgive me. It's my first response. God, forgive me. 
I need an attitude adjustment. So I'm asking, church, do you have the attitude of Christ? See, not demanding, not expecting, not looking to be served, but looking for opportunities to serve. Looking to meet others' needs. See, a Christian shouldn't ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You you all know that. I mean, we've used that term, and if you haven't, you know, whatever. Somebody might have said you need an attitude adjustment, whatever you need. (laughs) See, challenging circumstances should not dictate how I act or what attitude I display today or any day I get up. The attitude of Christ. So when we look at what the Bible says again, there's an expectation to the Christian. I'm so grateful for God's mercy, grace, and His love for me and how He's so patient with me, all right? I, I... I, we all are and need it. But sometimes I think we way, like lean way too heavy on that to make excuse for our attitudes, our brokenness, our display that is not Christ-like, our language, and all the other things that we do that we know we shouldn't. So we kind of, as soon as we start into that world, the, the, we start saying like, oh, he knows I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus you know, well, it really wasn't my fault, it was theirs, and all that stuff that we do in the middle of those challenging moments, right? Well, listen, this is what God's Word says to us, church. Always be full of joy in the Lord. It's the second time we heard this. The other one was, always be joyful. This one says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. This is God's Word. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. You know, like that little jab there? (laughs) Here's the attitude you're supposed to have. Doesn't matter what you're facing, and don't forget, you're going to answer to him, and he's coming. So, like I said a lot of times before, and I I believe this even in in my own life, I've, I've said this, you know, the church is great about saying Jesus is coming soon, but none of us believes it's today. If we believed it was today, there'd be a whole lot of difference in the church, how we lived, how we act. I bet the offerings would be tripled. (laughs) I bet people that we we have not spoken to about Christ would hear from us today about Christ. Seriously. I mean, we're going to do whatever. if, If this is the last day, Are you kidding me? You're not going to reach out to your family that's lost and tell them about Jesus? See, we always think there's another day or another moment. Same thing as with our attitudes. Same thing as when we're dealing with stuff. We just think, you know, well, today's challenges are this, and God knows, He understands. He knows my personality. I want you to know He does, and that's why He died to change it. (laughs) All right. For real, man. Stop blaming it on your parents and your grandparents and own up to the fact that you need to be changed and that God wants to change you and me, not just them. I need changing. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered and all you do remember the Lord is coming soon. So not just when the circumstances are favorable or when things are running smoothly, always. So that means if our nation is never the same, the church should always be joyful. 
Why? Because we are in Christ. See, that's the source of our joy, not our political freedom. People that are not in political freedom today around the world are still experiencing the joy in Christ. People in prison, read Acts 16. You wonder why Paul and Silas, after they were beaten with rods, sat there in the prison and began to worship God and they were singing? It's because of the joy of the Lord that was in their soul. You don't think they were hurting? They were hurting. They were miserable. They were beaten. They probably had broken ribs and they were bleeding. They were beaten with sticks. Imprisoned because of Jesus and they worshiped. See, that's what God's trying to teach us as a church, as Christians, that we have an attitude decision to make that I will be joyful in the Lord because He is the source of my strength. He is my hope. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my everything. He is my life. Church, this is God's word to us. See, our joy is in the Lord. We're not joyful because we're facing situations. Nobody is. I I mean that in in the right sense. It's not like, I I should say it differently. I'll say, the circumstances themselves, we're not joyful about them. We're joyful in the Lord as we navigate through them. Because we have calm delight in the always knowledge that when this life ends, I'm going to be with the Lord regardless. It's the word of God and he's speaking to us, church. We know that God will see us through it. That's why we trust Him. That's how we can have joy in our hearts in the midst of it. Because God's going to see us through it. See, it's it's a decision that we have to make. It's an attitude adjustment that we're responsible for. See, but God's at work within us to help us. We're not all on our own. It's not like I'm just going to change myself and be this way. We can't. That's why Jesus came. And that's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. Because only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we be transformed within. So some of us tend to be maybe more worrisome, um, sometimes maybe have stronger attitudes. I'll say it nicely like that. You know, you may be a person that has the personality that has um, an attitude. We'll just leave it at that. But that's, it's, it's okay that you used to be that way. But see, what God's doing is he's working in you to change that. And this is the verse that we share again that we had last week in Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. So while he is the source of joy... He is also working to produce that within us. So we're not on our own. Again, it's not like I'm going to put some fake thing on. The reason why I can have calm delight in life is because of the source of God's love lives in me. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is at work in me saying, Dave, adjust your attitude. Stop, man. Right now, take a walk and talk to me. Retract from this situation, Dave. You need an attitude adjustment. See, that's the Holy Spirit. But some of us, we go back into our old modes. We switch back in that moment. And we're like, we push over the Holy Spirit into flesh. Nothing ever comes good out of that, does it? Y'all been there? 
I know I'll hear an amen on that, right? When the Holy Spirit says, whoa, and you like, go! That's what I heard. <laughs> Step back, man. Get a hold of it. So as I transformed from introvertedness to extrovertedness, and then I had to find a balance in myself, because once I found this freedom to be out there, I kind of went way out there. And so I was immediately ready to give a response to everybody about everything. I'd been quiet for too long, you know, so it's like, woo, let's go. And then the Lord was like, hey, um, you know, you need to rein it in a little bit. Slow down. Because as soon as someone thought something would come up, I'm talking or trying to do or whatever, and it's just like, stop. Stop it. You need to kind of get it together here. As the Holy Spirit works in our life and the attitude adjustments of our life, see, as the Holy Spirit works in us, we have to trust Him. That's what we're learning. We're learning to trust Him in the situation. Okay? I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not picking on the tech team at all. I want you guys to get a real-life example of what I'm talking about. If the stuff didn't work today, it's not the end of the world. Sorry, that's the heater. Everything's good. It's not Jesus. All right. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, he might have done it, but I wake everybody up. So I'm saying, like, if the broadcast didn't work today, it's not the end of the world. It's like, okay, we'll work with it, whatever. If the worship team, somebody's mic wasn't up, okay. Right? But see, we allow little things to influence us, and, and they can even change the way we worship. God's calling us into this place and he's saying, hey, church, like, can you just like focus on me and what this is all about? See, God's working in everything and he's going to bring us through everything we face in life. COVID, elections, politics, cancer, heart disease. We're going through it and he's going to bring us through it. If it takes our life, we're going to be with him. All right, so that's what we're saying. Like, there's this calm delight in Christ that is there present through the Holy Spirit, then whatever's coming my way, okay. He's got this, not me. He's got this. And we're going to navigate through it. All right, so here's the thing. Like, Jesus, he wasn't like overjoyed and excited that he was going to die on a cross. All right, please understand that. That's why in the garden he prayed three times, Father, is there any other way? It wasn't the death on the cross that was as gripping as the fact that Jesus was going to take your sins and mine upon His holiness. Therefore, Christ was in anguish over that, saying, is there another way? Because He had to take all of our brokenness. You know how much your brokenness weighed you down? Take it all. And He was looking at that, and He was holy God, sinless and perfect in every way. And he was going to come unrighteous and full of sin for me and you. And so as he prayed and asked God to remove it, he then stepped into it and said, not my will, but yours be done. Let's do it. And he stepped into it. Check out this verse in Hebrews. This is what it's talking about. That moment and that reality for Jesus. And it gives us the perfect picture of my life and yours, whatever we face. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. He's referencing chapter 11 where he talks about all the people of faith in the Old Testament. 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. Isn't that awesome? What a humbling, challenging section of verses. <laughs> like, hey, look at all that Jesus went through for me and you. And he did it because he saw joy on the other side, right? Isn't that cool? He was like, yeah, I can deal with this because I know this is the result. Whatever you're facing, whatever we're going through, see, we can endure it in the moment because we have that joy of God in us now because of what Christ did for us. So now I have this calm delight in the midst of it all, knowing that things are even going to be greater in the, begin, in the future because of the greatness of God and the victory that Christ has given to us. So Jesus did not allow the brutal circumstances of life to stop him or to dictate what he would do. He looked past it to the joy that was coming for me and you. The victory that was going to be given to us. The relationship that was going to be healed for all humanity that would turn to him to have that relationship with the Father. <laughs> so, you see, the source of joy is not looking at your situation. It's looking at God through your situation. Knowing that God is the answer for you. Whatever's going on that he is and he's got victory for each and every one of us through every situation that we face up into eternity. And if that's what it takes, so be it. For ultimate victory is ours, church. Ultimate victory is ours. We just got to grab it. See, oftentimes we allow the, this moment in our life to dictate our reaction, our response, our attitude, and therefore our faith. That's what I said. Now, you got to hear that. See, we allow the thing that we are facing in the moment to dictate our reaction, our response, our attitude, and therefore our faith. Because you see, if we allow the influence of that stuff to dictate who I am, the attitude I have, then I'm really not expressing my faith truly because I'm not trusting. I'm not seeing through to the, to the God who says, I've got you to the God who promised that he would lead us through everything we face in life. See, it's our faith is really the issue. Trusting God is really the issue. <laughs> so we're supposed to be different than the world. Our reactions are supposed to be different than the world's. How we face life should be different because we're supposed to be like Christ. Ephesians 4. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Some of us maybe should write some of these verses out 
and post them in some places and maybe on our phones and our iPads and maybe even on your social media sites just for you, not for the world, for you. Listen to what it says. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. <laughs> See, the, the saved person sees the, the, the moment that God forgives and the opportunity for new. We throw that stuff away. Man, I cannot tell you how much stuff I threw, literally, physically threw away in my life that was in my life when I gave my life to Christ. The drugs, I, I literally was, I physically threw them away the night I gave my life to Christ. Some of the stuff that I participated in, threw it away. Some of my clothing, I literally threw away. Some of the stuff I listened to, I literally threw away. It was like, man, God, that doesn't own me anymore. That is not who I am. That's not who you made me. I'm made new in you, and I threw it away. Okay, but here's what he's telling us, right? See, we throw stuff away, and we embrace what the Holy Spirit is doing in the renewing of our thoughts and our attitudes. So none of us have arrived in that moment. We're beginning a journey. And so this renewing is a continual process of my thoughts and attitudes being adjusted and changed. Hmm. So we put it on. You know we're told to put on the armor of God, right? You all know that verse. It's funny how we've always been told, put on the armor of God, but how many of us have been told to put on the right attitude? Put on joy. Put it on. See, in the scriptures, it says, put on your new nature. Put it on. Not a fakeness again. We're embracing God in the newness of who we are. And we're putting it on. See, it's a decision I make. So every evening at some point in the night, I go in and I get all my clothes out that I'm going to wear the next day. And I put it in there by the shower, hang up stuff on the hook. I got everything there, my boots with my socks, all that stuff set out. I know what I'm putting on. Come on, church. We need to hang that attitude of Christ right there. And it needs to put on. Put on the attitude of Christ. Put on the armor of God. Dress in layers. <laughs> Get on out there. We got to represent Christ, right? So we got to do this. It's not like an option. If you don't, you, you already know. Look what happens when you don't put on your armor. You end up wounded. If you don't put on the attitude of Christ, you're going to be wounded. And not only are you going to be wounded, but the name of Jesus is going to be wounded, which is far greater. See, the church has damaged the name of Jesus so incredibly that the world doesn't even see the church any different than anyone else. Why? church we're the transformed the renewed we're the made new we're the we're the light of the world we're the ones that are to be the righteousness and holiness of god john 15 jesus said oh when you obey my commandments you remain in my love just as i obey my father's commandments and remain in his love i've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy see where it comes from christ he says yes your joy will overflow that calm to life. Jesus says, I'm giving it to you. You don't possess it. You don't have it. You don't have the ability to manufacture it. Jesus said, I'm giving it to you and it's going to overflow. 
So the source of our joy is Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is the one that made it possible for you and I to have a relationship with the eternal God. That's why we can have joy at all times. That's the reason why joy exists in the midst of challenges and storms in life. That's why God says you can have this. Because that relationship is what it's all about. See? And it can't be changed by anything else. No government can take away my joy. No sickness can take away my joy. No job. No absence of a job. No person. No challenge. Nothing in life can rob me of my relationship with God except me. Put it on, man. Let's do it. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then Jesus says to you, you have my joy in you. It's there. Promise the Holy Spirit who's at work in us, creating and, and making this in us, changing who we are and how we face things. So therefore, we need to have an attitude adjustment that is Christ-like. Have you allowed anything to rob you, you don't have to say this out loud, of joy, that the, the joy that Christ brings to you? Have you allowed anything to rob you of that? If you have, see, that is a source of which you need to give to God. The things that are happening in our country, and our world, a lot of Christians have allowed to rob them of their joy. All of it. Like, we got to give that to God and remain in His calm delight and trust Him through it all. Do you have an attitude of joy? All right. Church, we really do need to possess this. It's what the Word of God says for us to have. And again, not fake happy not caffeine-induced. It's Holy Spirit manufactured within us to calm delight in who God is in my life. If you need to pray, the altar's open. Repentance, coming to Jesus, giving whatever stuff it is, please do so this morning. Father, we love you. Would you stand with me? Makes it easier for those that need to come forward to come forward. God, we give this to you. Forgive us, Lord, for not putting on the attitude of Christ. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for allowing circumstances and life events to dictate whether we have joy or not. For, Lord, you are the source of our joy, and we have you. (laughs) Thank you. So amazing. God, we're so thankful. You tell us to be thankful and pray about all things. Lord, and, and here we are. We're coming to you today again. First, to say sorry and forgive us. Secondly, to say, God, we put on your attitude right now. When we leave this place, whatever we face today, we're going to have the attitude of Christ. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Have an amazing day. Let's go and do it. Thank you.